Good morning and happy 245th birthday. Assuming I did the math right. I tell you what, one of the things I love most about being an American is our perception, our understanding, our foundation in relationship to freedom is the only reason I'm here this morning. I was on a college campus, just like 95% of the other college campuses out there, absolutely liberal. My professors were teaching everything that was popular at the time. I don't even know how I managed to survive those college years, but it was in that arena of liberal teaching and philosophy and anti-Christian sentiment that some guys became my friend and had the courage and the strength to tell me that I could have a relationship with God, that I could meet Jesus, thy not only forgiveness, but a wholeness and a fulfillment to life. And meeting Jesus literally changed everything for me. I, not just vocationally, I mean, obvious, that's, that's clear. I always feel a little bit guilty when I share my story because I think somebody's out there, they're either in this room or they're on live stream right now, and they're thinking to themselves, I was thinking about meeting God, but I hadn't thought about having to be a pastor. My salvation and my call to ministry are two different things, even though they happened at the exact same time, and I'll share that story on another day and another time. You don't have to become a pastor just to meet God and have a relationship with Jesus. But the reason those guys felt free and had the courage to be able to share something that sometimes as Christians we feel just a little bit awkward about sharing, the reason they felt free to do that is because in this country, from the establishment of all the freedoms and liberties that were established, the primary, the foundational, you read any of the original documents, the motivating drive for that was the freedom to worship God. Our country hadn't been free to do that prior to this time. We were under restrictions and we were under state religion and prior to 1776, you didn't have the freedom to meet God personally outside of an institution. But our founding fathers, most of whom were believers and most of whom studied the scriptures said no, religious liberty has to be a top priority. And those guys made it possible, and it is still possible, and that's why pastors like myself and members like our members and churches like our churches do not hesitate to be involved in the political arena and do not hesitate to be involved in public policy because still, in the United States of America, you can be told about, you can have conversations about who God is and what he wants and, and what his expectations are, and most importantly, how he can change your life with a relationship with him. You can do that without fear of censorship from our government. Culture may be a different subject, but our government has not and continues not, and I'll be honest, this is the 4th of July, it is the 245th birthday of the United States of America, but our government, our legislative officials, and our governor the last two years have passed sweeping religious liberty reform in the state of Texas so that the state of Texas is a gospel sanctuary state. And as of their most recent activities, we don't ever have to shut church down ever again. The government in Texas has guaranteed we will never be told you can't have church. 
And that's why guys like me and probably a lot of ladies like you and guys like you probably made the decision because somebody told you about Jesus. And I am thankful. I am thankful to be in a free country. I am thankful to be able to share the testimony of God's love. I am thankful to be able to share the precepts and teachings of the scripture without government intervention because this is the land of the free. And we have that freedom. And we're grateful for it as American citizens. We're grateful for the opportunity to just even be together. This, this particular Sunday, July 4th Sunday, together in church and activities tonight happening all across all of our communities, wherever you live, things taking place, things taking place here in Tomball in this immediate community to celebrate that freedom. And in fact, on live stream this morning in the chat, I got a message for the booth. Um, one of the people in chat wanted us to express thanks to you guys for volunteering to be in on a holiday weekend and making this happen. Um, I got looking around the platform and everything. There's only a couple of us that are actually paid to be here this morning. Just about every, everybody in the booth, everybody on the platform are volunteering their holiday weekend to make sure this service is happening. Thank you guys. Thank our volunteers. Thank our Bible study teachers this morning. If you went to class this morning, you had a teacher and they didn't get compensated for it today. And we're grateful. We are, we are a nonprofit organization. If you don't believe me, I can send you a copy of our financials. It's obvious. We depend upon your gifts and we're thankful for that. And we depend upon the volunteer force of this church to continue celebrating that freedom and to continue sharing the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul described it to a, the church in Rome as basically a benefit statement, as a, as a description to understand and grasp why meeting Jesus is so absolutely important. In Romans chapter six, this is the book of Romans towards the beginning of your New Testament, in verse 20, he reminds those who are now believers, he's writing to Christians, of what life was like before they were Christians. He says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. In other words, there's no expectation of righteousness because you have no foundation, no basis upon which to understand or achieve righteousness. But that freedom to avoid righteousness, which is very popular in our culture right now, unknowingly, very insidiously, creates a slavery situation where you are enslaved to your sin. Those choices that violate what God has in store for us are choices that actually subdue us. Those are choices that actually oppress us. And those are choices that actually put us into bondage. You were slaves to sin, he says in, in verse 20. So he asks the question, what fruit or what benefit, what productivity out of your life was produced from the things that now you're ashamed of? Because that's what sin does to us. No matter how much we try to legalize it, no matter how much we try to sugarcoat it, no matter how much we try to make it acceptable, sin creates shame. God designed us with a soul so we can have a relationship with him. And that soul knows when we violate our creator's perception on who we were designed to be. 
And I remember that distinctly as I began to know those guys and they began to talk to me about meeting Jesus and I could see so much freedom and so much liberty, so much happiness and so much joy in their life and all I could find in mine was shame, embarrassment, a sense of I know this isn't the best way to live but I don't honestly know any other way. The produce, the, the fruit of that bondage to slavery is shame. The outcome of those things, he says, is death. He'll say in verse 23, at the end of this particular paragraph, the wages of sin, in other words, the paycheck for our sinful lifestyle, is death. But here's the hope. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So our sin, our wrong decisions, our violation of the Creator's intent for us, these things create shame and create death. But again, look at this same passage. But now, Paul says, since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved or in bondage or committed to God, you have your fruit, you have your productivity, you have the abundant life that Jesus has promised. In other words, Christ intervenes into our life and he intervenes into that shame and he intervenes in that trajectory towards death. And in doing so, he breaks the bondage that that sin has created. And in doing so, he reconciles us to himself. He brings us into relationship with him so that now we can live according to the design of who we are at creation. And the modifications can happen and, and that which has been old and spoiled and shameful and it's covered in death now can be transformed and made new. The old things have passed away. New things have come. And with that is all the joy and the happiness that forgiveness and new life brings for us. It creates a freedom for us now. Look at verse 22. But now... You have your fruit, just think of that fruit as, as like produce, but not what you picked up at the store yesterday. It's the fruit, it's the result, it is what happens with our lives. It is, it is our lives in full blossom and full produ productive activities in what's taking place. That fruit now results in sanctification, which is just a big word the Apostle Paul liked to use that says we are becoming better people. It is a process of holiness. As God begins to come into our life and as he forgives us and as he changes us, that process increasingly makes us holy. Our righteousness comes from Jesus. And our lifestyle and our holiness comes from Jesus. He empowers us to do that. And that process, that sanctification process, that, that sanctifying activity in our life is God working in us to make us those new creatures who live in blessing, who live in joy, who live in contentment, who live in happiness, who have these moments together with God as our Savior, changing who we are and changing our destination. We're now, we're not anticipating death, but we're anticipating life. Oh, I recognize, because I have to deal with it all the time, probably more so than just about anybody in here, Death as a physical process still impacts us. But it is a blip on the screen. 
You'll find no references in scriptures that I'm aware of that indicate that this death is any more than a momentary activity or process that enables the eternal life God has designed us for. God didn't design us for death. You look at through creation accounts, the very reason God put that soul in us is because he wanted us to live with him, in relationship with him, and he never wanted that to end. If you truly love somebody, you never want it to end. I mean, I, you know, people that are, are just dear to your heart, you don't want to end. You're not interested in that, that, the conclusion of the conversation. You don't want that to end. God didn't create us assuming that at some point we wouldn't have that relationship. The break in the relationship was 100% our responsibility. God allowed it because he loves us. And even in our worst moment, our sin, God still loves us. He still cares for us. And he still allows it. But he wanted us to know him and be with him and be with him forever. So death is a result of sin. Wages of sin that Paul just said is death. That death has to happen even once we're redeemed. It still will happen physically. But the moment I die, I am living the best life ever. It doesn't mean I don't love you. And so if it happens this week and you come back next Sunday and um, Pastor Cody's preaching next Sunday, you know, don't get up, don't get upset about it. Well, I mean, Okay, I'm selfish enough. I want you to be a little bit upset about it. <laughs> you know? But, I, but I'm not going to be here, and I'm okay with that because where I'm going is so perfect and so beautiful. But now our freedom in Christ gives us sanctification, this growing process. And he also says in verse 22, but now that sanctification is in place. We have our best freedom now, but we also have our best freedom in the future. It is preparing us and enabling us to live eternal life. To live with God forever. Which ultimately means, and this is the really cool part, is all of us who know Christ still get to be together. So if you come back next Sunday and I'm not here and you're still here, I just want you to know this. The same way I walked around this room this morning and said hi and met some new people, met some new friends in the back, back of the room, I'll, I'll be in heaven and I'm gonna work the room in heaven. And when you come through the doors, I'll be there to say, hey, you're not gonna believe how great this place is. You thought the coffee was great at our church. You're not going to believe what this is like here. I know. We don't know anything about coffee in heaven, but I'm okay. I had a theologian once tell me, if it's not heaven without something, he figures God has somehow made it possible, working it all out. Heaven's so perfect. It's a freedom now. It's a freedom in our future, and it's a freedom given to us as a gift. We didn't have to do anything to earn it, which is fortunate because we couldn't have earned it but we got that gift. We got the freedom that's in Christ. The truth sets us free. All of our fabricated ideas and concepts that justify our sinfulness never brought freedom. They never did away with the shame and they never did away with the death. But the freedom in Jesus delivers us from both. I love the way the Apostle Paul, four chapters later in chapter 10 in Romans, will say, anyone who believes in, anyone who accepts Jesus as their Savior will never be put 
to shame. Romans 10, 13, you can write that one down real quick. If you're on new version, add it into your notes because I didn't put it in there initially. No one who trusts in Jesus will ever be put to shame. Even when I make my mistakes, I confess them to God and he is a righteous God who forgives and cleanses and gives us a new day to look forward to.